Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. Um, we use a, a marathon metaphor, you know, in some of my coaching work and I've asked my clients, you know, what has this marathon been like for you? And I have one client who said to me, it was really interesting. It's, we've gone through the marathon. <laughs> I made all 26 miles and now it's a triathlon and I don't know how to swim. <laughs> right. And it really just kind of encapsulates this overwhelm of how people are feeling about it. And to a certain extent, you know, a degree of numbness, like I just don't know what to do anymore. Marianne is a former senior vice president and CHRO. She has spent over 20 years of extensive experience in the human capital area, focused on talent management, executive coaching strategy, leadership and organizational development in financial services, information technology, education, and professional services organization. Marianne's ability to combine academic theory with practical experience enables her to help organizations create innovative solutions with sustainable results. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I am so happy to be connecting with my good friend, Marianne. How are you, Marianne? I am awesome, Enrique. It's so good to be with you today. It's like, been quite a while, my friend. It's been quite a while. And for those of you who don't know our story, because you probably don't know it, Marianne was perhaps one of the first people that I ever connected with because of Hacking HR. I believe, Marianne, we go back to the end of 2017. I think we met in New York City. We did. At the end of 2017. So quite, quite an amazing journey we've, we've seen from each other, right? Absolutely. I am so honored and privileged to have met you and to be on this journey with you. You are doing incredible, incredible work, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And likewise, you know, I've learned so much from all the content you've been putting out and all your, not only your experience, but connecting dots along, yeah. along, along, or between borderlines of HR, leadership, culture, learning, and all of these pieces that sometimes seem to be so disconnected from each other, but you, mm -hmm. you know, you're bringing them together. And that's, yep. uh, that's fascinating. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So really, really happy to be chatting with you about leadership, learning, and some of the challenges that we've seen in the workplace over the mm -hmm. past several months living in this world of, of pandemic. And I want to begin just by, by asking you, you, you're coaching leaders, you're talking to a lot of them. What are they going through these days? Mm -hmm. what, 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 are they, their, what are their pain points? Where do they need support? Just give us a little tour of what's going on with leaders these days. Yeah, it's interesting. It's been such a, a wild experience, right? No one ever really thought it was going to last as long as it has. Um, we use a, a marathon metaphor, 
you know, in some of my coaching work and I've asked my clients, you know, what has this marathon been like for you? And I have one client who said to me, it was really interesting. It's, we've gone through the marathon. <laughs> I made all 26 miles and now it's a triathlon and I don't know how to swim. <laughs> right. And it really just kind of encapsulates this overwhelm of how people are feeling about it. And to a certain extent, you know, a degree of numbness, like, I just don't know what to do anymore. Right? It's not going to go away anytime soon. So you got this continuum we run across where some leaders are just, okay, it's here. It's here for the long haul. Let's figure out. And then others are just still stuck in, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to recover. I don't know how to move on. Um, and there's still a lot of uncertainty about what moving on looks like, mm. right? This new next normal is still undefined. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that, of course, a lot of us have been chatting about is the, the mental health, wellness implications of all that's, that's going on. And, and the reality is that I don't, I don't even think we've seen the tip of the iceberg yet have not. Of, of what this will going forward mean for, for everybody and particularly for leaders, especially because I see now, yeah. as opposed to the crisis in 2008, the financial crisis, what I see now is leaders that are more, of course, they want to make their, their companies work, but they are more attuned to the needs of their people and, yeah. and they're suffering because they know that there's no way they can make it through this by keeping everybody employed. So they're going to, you know, a lot of them have to make very tough choices going forward. And that that's so hard. That is just yeah. so hard. It is really hard on people. The, you, know, you know, the economic fallout yeah. is just beginning, yeah. right? We're going to see industries collapse. We're yeah. going to see consolidation. You're going to see some businesses that just disappear and never come back. Yeah. And, and yet new ones will emerge, right? Like every other evolution we've been through, new things will come along, but we don't yeah. know what that's going to be just yet. But yeah. Um, one of the things that I've seen that, you know, to your point about how do we move on and what are they up against? Um, you know, leaders are really trying to lean into the moment, right? We call it leadership in the moment. So all the plans we had, the playbooks don't work, our mental models don't work. Mm. And you have to really lean into the moment with leadership. And to your point, what's really different and dramatically different now is leaders have direct insight into the challenges their employees are facing mm -hmm. on a daily basis. We're looking into their living rooms. <laughs> we're at their kitchen table with them, yeah. right? Because that's their office space. Or we're watching them deal with childcare or homeschooling while they're trying to get their work done. And so the need for empathy and compassion and flexibility have never been more important than they are right now. Yeah. Are they, let me ask you, all that you're describing is true for everybody in the organization and for themselves as well. Yes. Right. Which is even, even, harder. even harder mm -hmm. because you, you had, you had some, you know, uh, events in the past where there was financial suffering for a lot of people, but leaders had to make the decision of whether let some of their people go and whatnot and to ensure the longevity and the sustainability of their organization. 
but now those same leaders are at home taking care of their business, taking care of their operation, taking care of their children, taking care of the stuff that's going on at home. Yeah. And so this, this window that you're talking about to this, this little peephole to see into people's lives at home is also true for themselves, right? It yeah. is like a lot of them actually, what, and I've spoken with some of them, they didn't have a space, a physical space set up in their homes to work from home. Mm-hmm. And now they are like surrounded by the pets and the dogs and the cats and the children and yep. everybody, you know, going crazy at home. And, and it's just so hard, right? Yep. So, so when they come to you explaining all this uh, burden of, not burden, but, but all this anxiety of, mm-hmm. of decisions they have to make to make sure that their organization works, what do they, what do they tell you about themselves? What, what you know, their, their own personal suffering what what are they coming up with this you know during this pandemic yeah some of the common things are you know learning to let go of control mm. and just you know it's part of that leadership in the moment experience where i don't have the answers mm. and i have to learn to be okay with not knowing yeah. and not knowing for my team but not knowing for me and it puts them in an extreme position of vulnerability to do what's right for their people, but also be thinking about what is right for them. Mm-hmm. You know, similarly, you know, as we saw with 9-11 in New York City, after that event happened, we had a lot of people who started to rethink, what is my purpose? What am I doing? Is this what I wanna be doing with my life, with my time? And really rethinking, you know, is this the right job for me? Should I be doing something else? Should I be living somewhere else? And we're starting to see a lot of that emerge as well, where people are making complete career shifts, throwing an old profession out the window because, you know what, I always wanted to be a technician or I always wanted to be in healthcare and help somebody as opposed to being on the administrative side of things. And people are making dramatic shifts in terms of, you know, really rethinking, where do I want to be? Why am I here? <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing? And making some pretty, Im- pretty impressive moves, yeah. you know, bold moves to say, this is where I want to go. And this is what I want to do. I think the other thing that's happening is, you know, we've, you've seen a lot of articles published about this pandemic feeling like grief. Yeah. Right. And, and working through those cycles of emotions like we see with grief and um, people are coming to a place of, you know, I just need to do something different. That life is fleeting. Um, it's changed. I don't know what it's going to be. I can make it something else for myself and trying to see the opportunity. You know, when you come to that other end of the, the grief curve, you start to get to a place of acceptance and uh, optimism about what you can do and what new opportunities you might find. You know, we do this one exercise called doors open, doors closed. So when one door closes, new opportunities arise. And what does that begin to look like for people? So just trying to help them move through that curve and helping them, you know, find their place. Absolutely. Let me ask you, you, you mentioned before all these career shifts happening because of the pandemic, which is true, actually, whenever a, a crisis seem, 
you know, is, is happening, yep. then you got people rethinking whether they are in the right place. Is that what they want to do forever? Or, uh, you know, are they comfortable? Do they want to challenge themselves in another area, uh, their purpose and whatnot? What do you think are the pieces or the questions? Let me put it that way. What are the questions that people should be asking themselves to make sure that if they will make a move, it's not necessarily the best move or doesn't have to be the best move, but it's, it's, a, it's a thoughtful, well-designed move. And I ask you this question because it can be tempting to say, you know what, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving or this is another, you know, I, I don't have a job right now and this is the only opportunity that is available. So I want to get into that. So what are those questions that we should be asking ourselves? <laughs> okay, this is a family show, right? So I'll tell you my favorite question and you can bleep it. <laughs> but it's making sure you have a F it fund yeah. so you can take care of yourself. You know, one of the questions I love to ask my clients is when is enough enough yeah. from a financial standpoint, yeah. right? And do you have enough to survive? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Everybody's in a different position, but if that's what's holding you back, how do you do something about that? You yeah. know, I have one client who, um, sold or since so they got out of the lease of the apartment they were in in the city and it was one of those dream apartments they always longed to be in a certain section of the city just so they could move into a smaller home that they were able to purchase that they could live on with one salary hmm. and it gives that you know individual the freedom fund to do what they want to do from a career choice right so First and foremost, you have to get all the fear blockers out of the way. And usually financial is one of the big ones. The other is really deciding what brings you joy. What is your passion? You know, it's that classic Venn diagram of where those things intersect and what makes a difference between making it a hobby <laughs> or making it something you can make money at. But typically people have had some experience base on a career journey that they know what they really like and know what they don't like. Mm -hmm. um, I'm starting to see people jumping out of corporate mm -hmm. and there's been the big Bloomberg report about how many <clears throat> women have been pushed out yeah. based on COVID. Um, but the upside of that is there's also an uptick in female startups, Yeah. right? So they're just doing something different Right. So what is that something different for you? And times like this present both risk and reward. And to look at the balance between the two and find a new pathway to help you get where you want to go. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the things I've admired about your work that I think is very applicable here is that it's also leaning into your community. Yeah. Right. And how can other people help you and how can other people get you to the right places? Um, and, and help you figure out what it is you really need to do. I think one of the most interesting things I did when I wanted to start my business was I had this dirty dozen, I called them. <laughs> they were 12 people I trusted um, that I knew, knew me well enough. And I asked them questions around, you know, why would you hire me? Or if I was going to start a business with these kind of products and services, would you buy them? You know, what else am I missing? And I found out a lot of, about myself, things you think you know yourself until you ask somebody else and you get a different opinion and it just filters into a broader perspective for yourself and what you wanna do. 
Um, so there's a lot of things you can do, but I think the biggest thing is having that effort fund. <laughs> so yeah. you know what you can do and what you can't do. And then having the courage to take the risk and do something completely different and figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And actually that was true for me too. You remember? Yeah, I know, I was, look at your story. Yeah, when I was going to leave my job, I said, I, I, I'm ready, but I'm not financially ready. Mm -hmm. and, and I need to make sure that there's a freedom fund in there that will keep me going for, for you know, X amounts of month. That's right. And, um, you know, so that I, can, that I can make this work. And if it doesn't work well, like everything else in life, right? You shift, you pivot, you do something different. You do. You uh, but take, taking those risks also goes along, along the way, alongside of, let me see how I can mitigate the risk as much as possible. Meaning right. I, I'm not going to leave my job today if I don't have any money in the bank account, because then next that's month right. I'm going to have to find another job and that's going to make it complicated. So, so thank you for sharing those, those reflections. And, and another thing that I, I'm switching gears a little bit here from, from the challenges of leadership to a little bit more about the changing sort of landscape of, mm. of learning and development, which I know it's, uh, it's one of the areas that you've been working really hard, uh, you know, the past um, several years, especially since you had your consulting company over the past couple of years. Um, what, do you think, what do you think are the changes that we are seeing emerge in the area of learning and development? And more importantly, how can HR mm -hmm. get, understand that and get ready for it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what you're doing with hacking HR is actually a shining example of the way the, la the landscape around how we learn has shifted, mm. right? And so you've built a model based on community where people have a common vision and goal and they come together in thought partnership mm. to help each other advance, right? So if I go to a hacking HR event, I don't get a workbook. <laughs> I don't have curriculum to follow. Um, I might hear from some thought leaders, right? But basically I'm gonna connect with a community of like-minded leaders who want the same thing. And then you've created the container to let the learning happen, right? And that's a lot of what I'm starting to see. Now, in more formal institutions, do you have some form of curriculum? Sure. Um, in organizations, are you going to have stated objectives they have to learn? Okay. But the way you deliver that and how you help people in the learning process has to shift dramatically. People need the same kind of flexibility we're seeing now as a result of COVID, right? Where I want on demand, get it when I need it in small doses. Uh, it's relevant. It makes me think differently. And it brings me together in some kind of a community where we can learn from each other and challenge our own thinking. Yeah. And I think to me, those are the major differences that we're starting to see. Um, and it's starting to emerge in more in the mainstream open space domain. Um, you know, look at things like MOOCs, right? They've been around for years. You can go online with any of the large universities and just take a course and pay the extra 25 bucks and get a certificate. But you can, there's a ton of quality content out there and it's self-directed. People yeah. go get what they need when they need it. Yeah. And, then they, and then they find ways to apply it. 
Right. So it's, it's our way of helping people do that. Uh, I think it becomes less and less about having these formal structures and kind of dictating what a good leader is, but rather give them the fuel to think about what good leadership means to them and help them find their way there. Right? I because love everybody that. learns so differently. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really love that. And based on, on what I've seen in the, in the HR space and in the learning space, I am in agreement. I think it's a, it's a time when people are looking for more dynamic, customizable, better experienced kind of learning um, yeah. uh, journey, mm-hmm. uh, especially now that, uh, you know, there are more limited resources if That's you will, right. to pay for traditional education, mm-hmm. uh, whether it is uh, universities, whether it is traditional programs or at work, right? This in-person work, that, that model is dead now. Yeah, right. um, so, <laughs> yeah, so so I think th- this this is fascinating. And I, I want to, to sort of the second part of this question is how can HR leverage on this new sort of learning identity? And I ask you this question because, we, we still find a lot of HR professionals thinking that learning continues to be the same, right? That there's a cycle in life, which is you learn by going to school, then you work, you retire, oh, and learning happens. When it happens at work, it happens in the same way that, that it happens in a school, meaning you come to a training, which lasts a couple of days or whatever, however amount of time, and you're sitting there, you know, listening from an expert, and that's all that's all you get, right? Yes. And and we know that the model is obsolete now. So so what? How can HR people think about this? How can they leverage on this new learning identity? Yeah, I think the way I describe it and what I'm doing with my own company is it's leadership development as an experience, mm. just like we think about customer experience or employee experience. Leadership is very much the same way. Yeah. Right. Now, if you think about interactions with employees, leadership is one of the biggest differentiators on how that goes, mm. how we treat people, how we help people, um, whether it's a detriment or a positive, but that's what they're going to remember, right? The leadership development process is also an experience because if they, like you say, sit down and they have to listen to some expert drone on for an hour, um, and then they're expected it just poured into my head and I learned something from that, that's broken, right? The experience is much more around what you and I are doing, right? We create uh, groups, we create a container for the learning to happen. I don't necessarily force what the learning is. Now, granted, there's some constructs, right? Just like with your forums, you have a topic, we're gonna hit on some key points, but it's very free flowing. Mm. Um, In my programs, it's a group coaching model, right? It's that old saying, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, you go together. And that's what it's all about. So we've got like-minded people in different industries and companies, and they all come together because they're trying to be a great leader in this new modern workplace, but it's different. You know, last class I had, um, we had uh, a financial services firm that was, you know, more mature, 
smaller base here on the East Coast. And in the same cohort, we had a startup tech company from California, Hmm. right? And so the exchange on dialogue around what's the digital communication look like for this modern workforce, right? Email's dead. What, how do we do this? What works? I mean, it was eyes wide open on both sides of the conversation, trying to understand, well, what do you do and how does that work? And why is this working for you? And all those kind of things. So it's eye opening, right? And I'm kind of facilitating the conversation and we're group coaching people into leveling up and what they need to do to bring that positive change. But it's happening because we created the container, not because I have some expert in front of the room who's telling you what to do and here's your five-step model. Yeah. Right? And it's powerful. You know, one Mm -hmm. of, of, of of the last events that I have put together, one of the things that I did was I said to myself, because now we transition into this online world. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's doing online events. Now everybody feels that they can do online events. So they are putting stuff out, right? And I said yeah. to myself, I got to find a way to do this differently. And one of the things that I've done, which has worked pretty well, is that in all of the events, I say, if this event is a couple of hours, there's going to be 20 minutes of somebody mm-hmm. facilitating some thinking process at the beginning but then you guys are going to get all together and now you're going to start discussing with a framework and a guide and a guided approach. And you guys are going to be talking to each other. And the reason for that is because we want to tap into your unlimited talent, your unlimited potential and the opportunity for each of you to leverage on each other's ideas and knowledge and information and create from there. That's right. We, I think we both agree that this idea of best practices is in this kind of world, that's just a broken model. I mean, what best practice can you utilize in an, in, a, in an experience like this when nobody has ever been here before, right? No. So, no. so what best than, you know, Marianne, what are you going through? How are you coping with that? This, how, this is what I'm going through and this is how I'm coping with it. And then we can grow based on each other's ideas. And that model has been very successful because like you're doing, connecting people that are coming from different worlds, different industries, different regions in the world, different levels of experiences. And it has been incredibly positive. Mm-hmm. And, and it's exactly what you're saying. We create a container. We provide the, yep. the, the framework. We provide the guidance and we let you guys and unleash, let it, let it happen. You know, you, happen. You, you, you just do whatever you need to do within that sort of framework that we're creating. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's really yeah. beautiful. And that's the other thing, you know, I've always admired about you, Enrique, is you always look for what we can do better or different, right? And so just because you've been doing virtual stuff, I mean, you've been doing virtual stuff for a long time. Um, And now that everybody else is, you still find ways to make it better and different, right? And bring new levels of engagement, new levels of outcome, right, that help people on this journey. I think that's the other big part of it is not being tied to what that outcome is, right? Um, It's more about letting the outcome happen, Yeah. right? It's the power of the crowd, the wisdom that unfolds. And like you, you know, that's one of the credos in coaching is I believe my client has all the answers, right? Yeah, you know, to me, it is, it it goes along the lines of, what can I do better? How can I add more value? And sometimes 
it happens that, and I'm okay with that. Sometimes I don't have the answer to the question, but I think about it. And what I think about is mm-hmm. I need to find a way to create more value because what, for example, this conference that we did this year yeah. in March of 2020, and by the way, for everybody, we're recording this podcast at the end, at mid-October of 2020. We had this conference in March. We're going to do it again in, in March of 2021. Mm-hmm. One thing that I know is I can't do this, the things in the same way I did them right. in March of 2020. That won't work. Now, how are they going to look like in March of 2021? That's still in the, in the process. But I know that the value that we brought this year, it's different than mm-hmm. the value that we're going to be able to bring next year if we do things differently. So, so Marianne, as we wrap up this wonderful conversation, I want to ask you, thinking about this changing landscape, learning landscape, leadership development landscape, mm-hmm. what do you think leaders have to be focusing on as the first step in their journey to transform what they think about, how they think about it, and how to build a learning experience at work? What should be the first in their to-do list? Um, sorry about that. Some background okay. noise. Um, yeah, I think there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is, you know, first and foremost, being in tune to the fact that learning is changing. Yeah. And that, you know, just sticking on a traditional path of what you used to do is probably not going to work. Mm. Um, getting in tune with what the new workforce and the new workplace looks like and imagining what that will be for your company, what that implies for you as a leader and really getting versed and close to it. To your point exactly, you may not have all the answers, but you need to be in a space where you're learning about it, where you're discovering what those things are and what you need to do differently um, to figure out how you can be the best leader you can be. And lastly, it's about really embracing the changes you may need to make, right? It's looking at yourself honestly and understanding where you may have to make a pivot. And some of those pivots aren't comfortable, Yeah. but you need to figure out how to do that, right? And if you really think about learning and leadership in this experience model and put those pieces that we know an experience model has to offer into your mindset about how you learn and lead, you're gonna have a very different outcome, yeah. right? You're gonna lean into adapting, not adopting yeah. leadership practices, right? You're gonna say, okay, that was, or that's how somebody else does it, but this is how I need to do it. Yeah. And yeah. get your own level of comfort and make your own, you know, kind of that individualized approach to your leadership experience. Absolutely, great, great ways, way of thinking this going forward. So Marianne, thank you so much for being with me today in the podcast. It was a great conversation. Same here, Enrique. So glad to see you. Thank you. Likewise. And everybody stay tuned for the next Hacking Nature podcast. I'll see you all soon. Thank you everybody for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.